This is the Post America Podcast. That's right, motherfucker. What the fuck you know about podcasting? This is our shit. Post America. Macho Black, Richie Crutch, Chrissy the Baboon. Post America Podcast, son. Download that shit, motherfucker. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's Richie, Post America Podcast. I'm back. No Mad Joe, no Chrissy the Baboon. He got the COVID still. Mad Joe's working, so I'm doing a one-on-one with the rapper, actor, Slain. You know I'm a big fan. We talk about him a lot on the podcast. Slain, how you doing? Hey, what's up, brother? How you doing? Good, man. Yo, uh, if I'm not mistaken, when I talked to you about doing this, you said you would do this after you uh, got done filming a movie. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. I was just down in Oklahoma for four or five weeks uh, shooting a film called Ida Red, which was cool, man. It's called Ida Red, I-D-A-R-E-D. Yeah, it was a cool project to work on. Uh, It's with Josh Hartnett and uh, Frank Grillo, Melissa Leo, William Forsyth. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it was really cool. Cool why, why Oklahoma? What was is it something to do with Oklahoma or not? Just, yeah, that's where the movie takes place, and the director is from Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is actually the third film I've done with him, and uh, he shoots all his stuff down there. That's where he's from. That's where he writes about. And uh, yeah, so I went down there during the pandemic. It was crazy. We had, you know, we have to follow all the guidelines and everything with the pandemic. So we had covid tests every other day masks on set quarantine pretty much in your hotel room when you're not shooting you know like you could go out and grab some food or whatever but uh you know that if if one actor gets it you know the film is shut down pretty much because yeah you know once you start shooting and you're shooting a movie out of order generally um if if i if i got it while i was down there it would it would have put the whole film in jeopardy so i pretty much when I wasn't shooting, I I was in my hotel room just binge watching uh, TV shows with my girlfriend who was back in Boston. But we, you know, whatever it was, just it it was it was uh, it was a different kind of experience, man. I've done yeah. a, you know a good number of movies now, and this was totally different experience. Is it going to be like this for now on, or just for a little while, or what? What do you think? Shit, I don't know, man. I hate to think of the the world just being like this going forward with everybody having to wear masks and all that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Brutal, man. We've been, we've talked to a lot of different guys about, you know, the pandemic and all that, but I want to stay. What could you give us a little hint about the movie? What's it about or anything? Yeah, basically it's about, um, it's about kind of a hillbilly crime family. The mother is, uh, Ida. That's who the, who the, it's titled after and she's in jail for 25 years but she still kind of runs the family and her son uh josh hartnett is doing heists and um with her brother-in-law played by frank grillo and i am uh the cop who's kind of pursuing the case but i'm married to josh hartnett's sister oh nice (laughs) you're the cop in this one I am the cop in this one, man. I, I, I'm not a uh, not a criminal <laughs> for once. How's it feel being the cop? You like it? 
I liked it, man. I mean, you know, it was a different kind of challenge. I, you know, I'm from the South, so I have a Southern accent. I'm one of the leads in this film and uh, I'm a family man. And, you know, it was cool, man. It was, uh, I love playing bad guys. You know, I love playing criminals and stuff like that, but, uh, I want to be able to play a little of everything, you know? Yeah, this would be good for a resume to go to to like a cop from your normal stuff, you know. Plus, it's a challenge, you know. It's always it's always good to, you know, you don't want to keep doing the same thing, and uh, you always want. I, I like with music. I like to do different things and kind of uh, like every album to be like a different, different experience, you know. So, uh, you know, you get you can get bored doing the same thing over and over. I, I think like the fun of storytelling is is kind of you know, changing and growing and, and, uh, trying different stuff. Yeah. I, 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 that's one thing. I don't know anything about acting, but I would imagine like the fun of it is to switch it up and see if you can do something that totally, you never even thought about trying to be or imitate, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's terrifying too, man. Like, you know, I studied, I've been working with a dialect coach. I don't know the past three or four years. Cause you know, I started figuring out like man i'm only going to be able to play boston guys um unless i can learn how to you know kind of drop the accent when i need to and and use different dialects so i started studying a few years ago it actually you know it helped me too with uh vocal work for music i started um facetiming with my vocal coach with my dialect coach as a vocal coach when i would go on tour because she would do all these you know, breath work exercises and stuff with my diaphragm, you know, the whole, the whole instrument is all connected or whatever. So yeah, it was cool. And then, you know, to put it to the test and go do a Southern accent. I mean, I, I got to the point where I wasn't even thinking about it and I was talking in it, but the next day after I did the first night, I kind of have like this really big scene with Forsyth and I'm breaking down the whole case and everything with him and, I, you know, I felt like I nailed it. But when I woke up the next morning, I I, I was, like, terrified. Like, oh, they're going to know I'm lying. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's kind of, it's it's horrifying, too, you know? Cause when, you, you know, when you do a scene, do you get to see it, like, right away or no? Like, do you get to see the Sometimes replay? Sometimes you do, uh, you know, like, when we, were, when we were shooting the town, I mean, sometimes, like, on the bigger productions like that, you know, I've watched the playback and stuff like that. You know, sometimes you get a chance to do that. But this, I mean, especially with COVID, man, like it was like, you know, you really had to keep your distance from everybody. And mm -hmm. and, uh, and also like with a lower budget independent film like this, like you really have to hustle and move through the night. You don't get to shoot everything 30 times, you know, like okay, you do yeah. with a studio film where you have three months to shoot it. You know, you have to cruise through a, you know, a hundred pages of script in 30 days or something like that. So it's like, that's, you have to really kind of keep it moving. You don't get to run everything 30 times. You have to, you know, you have to kind of have to nail it. Yo, that could, so, that could probably drive you nuts then. If you, like, if you felt weird about the scene the next day, but you never, you, when do you get to see it again? The final cut? Like, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Shit. I mean, look with, uh, that's kind of the difference with music and, and, um, acting for me too is like i get to really control the project when i do something musically mm -hmm. but with acting you you know you really kind of you're trusting everybody else that you're working with uh, you know like if i feel like i definitely don't have something 
I'm like, can we run that again? We got to run that again, you know. But um, yeah, but at, at some point, you know, I could do it a hundred times. Let me, I can get it better. I can get it better. But you know, that's where you know, trust in the director. The director tells you we got it. Yeah. You know, you kind of, it's just a, you know, it's faith. <laughs> And that's really cool. You got any projects coming up? Like, I guess with COVID too, I don't know if... uh... Dude, it's really hard to shoot right now. I have something that I'm trying to make myself, but I've pumped the brakes on it because, I mean, there's so many regulations and guidelines and, you know, like, for instance, in the thing that I wrote, there's a big, um, you know, it kind of lives in kind of a music world and there's like a big show scene that kind of is very central to the movie and i can't shoot that during this you know yeah yeah like a crowd like you need a you need like yeah i need a big crowd for this you know kind of it's really central to the movie i can't do the movie without that so it's like i wouldn't even have thought of that like yeah that would just this thing is destroying everything man it's crazy. Dude, it's, it's it's crazy. Like, when are we going to be able to tour again? When are we going to do shows again? I mean, I haven't, you know, I did one show this year. That's crazy. I've, I have not, I haven't done that since, you know, since before, I don't know, 20 years. Yeah. We got really lucky. We got to do a really dope tour early this year. And we thought the whole, we had like the whole year booked up with this, that, this, up until November, December, and everything after. Luckily, we got to do something, though. We got to do a cool tour after that, though. Bam, everything was wrapped up. Yeah, I, had a, I canceled about 25 shows like the day it hit. I mean, I had like a St. Paddy's Day show that I thought we were going to be able to get in. I talked to the club like three days before, and they were like, we'll still go. And then the governor came on the news like, uh, I think it was the 15th and was like no gatherings of more than 25 people you know and it basically just shut everything Jeez. down that's brutal man and are you living up in Boston now or, or, or are you yeah, yeah. yeah. I, be, I was living uh, in LA and Boston for about a decade I would fly back and forth and uh, I moved back to Boston sometime during last year um you know, like I got a, I got my son here and stuff, and it was just really beating me up to fly back and forth so much, and especially with touring too. You know, like I would, yeah. <clears throat> I would do two weeks in LA, two weeks in Boston, and I would do that all year long. But then, <clears throat> you know, I would have tour for two months or whatever it is. So I just found myself like, you know, what am I doing this for, man? I I want to be here with my son, like you know, and. uh yeah, then this all happened, and I was like, "Well, thank God I moved back." And I'll tell you what, this even more so made it made me realize, like, you know, what's most important to me is not really, you know, career stuff. It's, uh, you know, being here with my son and being here with my girlfriend and her kids, and I don't know. It just kind of, I feel like this gave everybody kind of like a hard pause. Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, I've been living out of a suitcase for two decades, dude. So it's like, I, I to be honest with you, I've really, I've really dug this. I, I, I've enjoyed like, I mean, I haven't sat down and like watched TV shows, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or movies. Like mm-hmm. I haven't like sat down and relaxed in so many, I can't even remember when I did that. I don't know if I ever have. So for me, it's been a blessing. I've, I've you know, granted, like I haven't been able to tour. It's kind of a hit financially but uh but you know being able to get rest and and you know be around my family and the people i love and 
you know, I still been recording and making music and, and I obviously just got a chance to go down and do that movie. So, I mean, this has been one of the best years of my life personally. Yeah, that's great. What what else besides the, the, the movie and the time with the family made it so great, you think? Because I, I don't hear a lot of people say that about this year. So to hear that, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, it's just been great. Like I said, like I have, you know, I think when you're really like, when you're really passionate about about your work, like mm-hmm. I am, I for me anyways, like I what this year kind of made me realize is like I've really been like, you know, I prioritize that to a point where I, you know, maybe was out of balance with some other things, you know, and uh, okay. You can always chase the next thing, chasing the bag around the world, like trying to make the greatest project you've ever made and, you know, trying to get the next acting gig. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I always like gamble on myself, man. So I'm always rolling the dice on myself. I'm always working around the clock. And I think uh, maybe like maybe I missed that, like the best stuff is actually at home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. That, uh, and you know, I like I love being I love fatherhood. I love you know, I love being around my girl and her kids and and uh yeah, it's just kinda it's just been kind of a beautiful year for me, man. Well that's good to hear because you know, for a lot of people it's it's the reverse this year is like their their nightmare. So that's that's cool, man. I'm glad to hear that. And uh when you know, we were talking about music and I guess during this this pandemic one thing you could do is get away with writing and recording you know a lot of stuff no have you been doing that yeah absolutely i mean you know i don't have a setup at at, at my crib to record although i'm changing that now but so i was kind of shut off from going to the studio for, for a little bit but i was writing and um yeah i mean i have a new project uh ready to go i have another one that should be ready to go early next year and i just started working on a on a, a new Lakota album. Oh, so um, cool. Very cool. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, th- to, to be honest with you, that's what I love most. I like being in the studio. I like recording and creating tour. I loved it as a kid. I still love performing, but, um, I think, um, it's more of a necessity than, a you know, like if I was, if we have a tour coming up and we're about to hit the road for a month, I'm not like, yes, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. fuck, you know what I mean? Like it's work, man. And not the shows themselves. You know how it is. The, the, yeah. the work is the travel, dude. In between. Yep. Waiting. Especially as you get older, it beats on you. It takes a beating on your butt, which is also why I moved back to Boston. The just the constant flying, dude. Like the, you know, as I get a little bit older, that shit really fucking wears me down. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I can't stand is flying anymore. Like just having to be somewhere early and then wait and then get on and the whole process and walking through that thing. It's yeah, it's really like. I'm yeah, there's so many it. fucking people and the TSA and the fucking it's just Yeah, I know I know that. You know, to do it day after day is just nauseating, man. Plus like, you know, something about the I I don't I don't think I've had jet lag when I was drinking, but you know, now I get jet lag. You know, it takes me two or three <laughs> days to recover from a flight. So if we take like 26 flights in a month, dude, like oh. holy shit, kicks the shit out of me, you know? Yeah, you shot yeah that's true but yeah good time to write man i'm glad to hear about that lakota thing too that that's real cool 
Like if, uh, how did the whole Lacoca project start? Like from the beginning, because that's oh, like a man. good, that's a great mix of guys right there. Yeah, man. I mean, shit, there was so much to it, but I, I mean, like, you know, I met, I was recording with, uh, Lords of Brooklyn and when I was living in New York in the nineties and, um, at Caves' studio with his brother, Adam. And, uh, I think they played some demos of mine to first Dante Ross, then to Danny boy. And, and then I met Danny boy at CBGB's and then, you know, year, a couple of years after that, Danny boy, kind of connected me with DJ Lethal and I was crashing on Danny's couch and Lethal had signed a couple other guys lefty being one of them and this other kid Opto being the other and we did like a 17 song demo in a week together and then that kind of fell apart but that was like the early uh early days of what the Coca Nostra was and then Bill joined the group and and Everlast joined the group and we started recording all together and that that was probably three years after lethal had signed me to a pr uh, production deal originally and um and then we all started recording together and um you know it became what it became man and uh i mean i had posters of those guys on my wall when i was a kid i mean they were my heroes they were like superheroes to me <laughs> yeah how awesome so, is that man and you know i, I really got to like you know, really get better at what I do by being around them, you know, and uh, being around them, creating, recording, just doing it full time, traveling around the world. And, you know, it's, it was all, uh, I mean, it's all, it's all been, a, it's all been a pretty surreal experience. Yeah. All, and and the, the, that group of guys is just, it's really cool because everybody got skills, but nobody is similar at all in that project. You know what I mean? So I, I love hearing those songs bounce from one guy to the next guy. And you know what? I was always a House of Pain fan, but I didn't never looked at Everlast as a lyrical guy, just as a, a great voice kind of guy. You know what I mean? And then yeah. with Lakoka, I was like, wow, I was like very impressed lyrically. I, I didn't know he was like that. Like he had, he's good. I mean, I always knew, I always knew Everlast was, um, you know, he was always one of my favorite MCs. I get what you're saying, but yeah, I wasn't just, looking into it like you were, you know what I mean? I was just kind of like get more of a casual guy. And then to, to hear him do that stuff, I was, I was surprised. I didn't realize. I mean, he's not necessarily like a rippity rap rap guy, but he's, uh, I mean, I always think he's always had strong lyrics. Like you can go back to the early House of Pain stuff or like, I love the song he did on Prince Paul's album. I don't know if you're familiar with that. The police department is like a crew. Oh. We do whatever we want to do. And uh, I mean, but like he, he killed that song, dude. He's always been dope to me, man. I, you know. I, yeah. I'm like, and, I'm, and Bill, I, I was always course. into his voice. His voice is sick to me. Like, you know, almost like Chuck D, uh, Everlast, those those bar real baritone dudes I always liked. And they became like, nobody was doing it like that anymore. So I always, I always loved his voice. I just never realized he had the licks like that. Yeah, I mean, I've lost an incredible talent, man. And, and you know, the more I see, the, the, you know, then I would start to go out on tour with him. And you see why he is who he is, because he really has the total package when it comes to performance, rapping. I mean, he can pick up the guitar and play the guitar and he knows how to command, an, uh, you know, an audience. And yeah, he's just a, he, he can sing, obviously. He's just a, he's just a, a really talented dude, man. Yeah, totally. 
And Ill Bill is like a uh, another level dude. He always reminded me of uh, he had a big pun vibe to him. One of the one of the best uh, yeah. writers in hip hop. You know, I you know people people don't give out that credit like that um, for whatever reason. But to me, like Bill is just one of the premier writers in the history of the genre. Really, if you you know yeah, if you really so much material. Work, yeah, I mean his catalog is crazy, dude, and. You know, his his writing is just on another level. Um, also, like, you know, it's Steel Stop, Shop and Steel. Like, I've really, like I said, working with those guys, you know, I'm an observer, too. So, like, working with those guys and kind of adding some of the, um, the things that they do to my own repertoire. And, you know, I think we all kind of sharpened each other on that project. Oh, I bet. That's just, that's a really good, a really good lineup of guys. And uh, is, would this be like what would this be like the third or the fourth album? This is the fourth one that we're working on now. So we did a brand you can trust. That, there was an EP there too, but you know, full length albums, a brand you can trust, um, Masters of the Dark Arts, and To Thine Own Self Be True was the last one we put out in 2016. So yeah, man, I'm good, uh, good timing, I'm, man. A lot of stuff's coming together. I love still being able to do it, man. Like, you know, I'm going to be 43 next week. I never thought... Uh, oh, happy birthday in advance. Thank you, man. I never thought that uh, that I would still be doing it at this age, you know. And uh, I feel I feel sharper than ever, honestly. So, And in that, group, in that group, you're like the young guy anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're the Bambino of the Coconuts. Yeah, I was the, ki- I was the baby. That's, that's dope. And, yo, let me take it back to this because I always wondered... How'd you get started with acting? So um, when Lakoka got together, um, you know, I had kind of got a buzz in Boston with my mixtapes and stuff. And I think I was dropping my first single on vinyl and Lakoka got together and the Boston Herald did a story about me, but also Lakoka getting together and, um, with kind of there was a picture of me and I was dropping my vinyl and it was talking about Lakoka uh, getting together and that ran in the Boston Herald and uh, and Ben Affleck was casting for Gone Baby Gone at the time and he opened up the newspaper that day and he saw me and he called me into uh, audition for that movie and Holy uh, shit. yeah man I mean I hadn't started making a living off of music yet I was and I was you know I was in kind of a crazy predicament i had been squatting in this warehouse for about six months that we were about to build a recording studio and somebody who was backing me and uh and this guy got pinched and um you know i ended up having a squat in that place that we were going to build the studio in and you know there was no hot water there was no electricity the bills would had stopped being paid on it and i was still there and uh yeah, they did their story in the Herald, and um, I got called in, and I ended up getting that role, and the rest is history. That is awesome. What what kind of, like, chance of, you know what I mean? That is just great. And yeah, it's respect like divine, to, divine yeah. intervention. <laughs> yeah, totally. And that was a cool role in that. That was, like, like uh, was that like early 2000s or something, right? It was 06. It was 2006. That, uh, that I got the call to do that. So since Gone, Gone Baby Gone, it's like you consistently have been doing something with acting like every two, three years, no? From what I could 
recall. I think I've done like 12 movies now, 12 or 13. I've done, uh, yeah, a couple of different little TV spots and whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, that was kind of a random thing. So it wasn't like I, what I was more hype about at the time was I wasn't nervous going on to that movie set, man. I was, I was nervous when I walked into the studio with DJ Premier for the first time. I was nervous mm. when... I was nervous recording fuck Tony Montana in the studio with Cyp you know, Be Real comes in the studio and Everlast is there. And yeah. it was like, I, you know, to, I was like fucking giving myself pep talks in the bathroom, splashing water <laughs> in my face, you know? Yeah, those so, are like the icons in your, like, of, and your, it, of your field, like of your art. So And it wasn't very long after that, you know, it was a couple months later, I'm walking onto a movie set with Morgan Freeman and Ed Harris and Ben Affleck and Casey Affleck. And it was just, it was crazy, man. Like, you know, because I had tried so hard for so long and really, like, wasn't making headway, it seemed like. You know, I was getting a buzz, but it was, like, very, it was very much on a local level. And um, and then it was, like, you know, the stars aligned all, all at the right time to kind of put this, you know, like I said, like, the Herald did the story about that. Then I got the movie. Then as soon as I finished shooting the movie, I started touring with those guys and, and going over to Europe and playing in front of 10,000 people. And, and then the movie came out, and then Lacoca really was kind of blown up on the underground and uh and uh and then the town uh you know ben put me in the town and then that that actually came out 10 years ago this week and wow. uh really? yeah man and it was like it was crazy it was yo it what was, a movie come on that movie is like if you're if you're flipping through the channels and you see that do you watch it or do you like it ah, i live that i don't even watch it you got well, I, I mean, I don't stop and watch it all the time now, but I'll tell you this. Like, when Gone Baby Gone came out in the theater, I remember driving down the street and then driving by the movie theater and seeing that it's playing there and going and buying a ticket and sitting down, even though I had already seen it a couple of times. <laughs> or I'd be in a hotel room and it would be on the pay-per-view and I would get it on the pay-per-view and, it, you know, it would just bug me out. Like, I was like, wow. And then, so cool. you know, the town was a little different because the town, it was... Gone Baby Gone's a great movie. I love I, I love Gone Baby Gone, but it wasn't a big hit like the town was. Yep. Town was a, town was a hit, and it penetrated pop culture. So everywhere I went around the world, like people were quoting lines from that movie at me. I'd be in Russia in the airport, and people would say, <laughs> you know, it was it was nuts, man. It was a little it was a little bugged out. Like I remember. Uh, I remember being really bugged out, like when that movie started blowing up. When a movie came out and it was blowing up, and Lakoka had really started popping too. And I remember walking down the street in um, in Boston one day, and I just had a panic attack because I was people were jumping out of their cars or people taking pictures, and I was like, "What the fuck?" You know, like it's just like one of those moments. But it wasn't cool, you know. It, no, it was cool, but it wasn't cool because I was like, "Fuck, man!" Plus, I, you know, I was I was hitting the drugs pretty heavy at the time, so the last thing I just want to fly out of, under the radar some days and fucking. Next thing I know, I'm like, "Fuck!" I'm like, yes. yo, can you go to the store for me, bro? <laughs> you know, I don't want to see anybody. <laughs> yeah, that movie. That movie is great. That's just like iconic. It's yeah. crazy because it's really. I was talking about it somebody today like it's really fallen into the you know it's kind of like a classic from that 
time, man. Like 10 years later, it's still on TV all the time. Like it was just came on Netflix a couple of weeks ago. It was like number one on Netflix fucking 10 years later. You know what That's I mean? Like sick. It's, it's crazy, man. It's really aged well. It's a, it's a, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's no. great. You know what I was wondering about that movie? Like, okay, you're you're like a legit real Boston guy. So this takes place in Boston. You know all of the slang. You know, you know a real accent from a phony one. When you're in the mix with the other actors that aren't necessarily Boston guys, were you ever questioning, you know, no, you wouldn't open your mouth because, you know, whatever. But were you ever questioning like, ah, he don't sound legitimate or anything like that? Or did everybody, in your opinion, as a real authentic Boston guy, everybody was on point with it, with the accent? I think I think people are on point with it, man. And, um, you know, because they were working at it. And, you know, Ben peppered the movie with a lot of local people and everybody who was on it. The team serves were all local people. So these guys are in. Like I said, I was doing a southern accent last month and when you're doing an act an accent you're listening to everybody around you and you're trying to make sure it's tight and you're studying it and you know these are these these are very accomplished actors you know what i'm saying these guys are, are great at what they do you know what i mean they do they're paid the, the the big money for a reason man there's a craft to this shit and it's uh it's not it's not um it's not without a lot of preparation and work. The, the most, all those guys that I've been around that that are there have put in years of work at the craft behind the scenes. You know, yeah, that one guy is a sick actor. I forgive me, I don't know his name, but like the he's not the villain of the movie, but he's the crazy guy. Yeah, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, yeah, he, he hung out with us a lot, like because uh, you know I know he was trying to get that accent right, so he was hanging out with with. With uh, Boston guys a lot, you know. Oh, okay, yeah, he seemed like he had it down. Like, yeah, you could fool me because what do I know? I'm, you know, down here. But he, he seemed like he had it down. And you know, I like the guy, the cop that was questioning you. Was that like a real Boston guy? John Ham? Oh, what do you mean? What the guy was, was questioning me in the? In well, the, he was. He, yeah, he was telling you to like repeat lines and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that guy's a local guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, yeah. The scene you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, he, I like that guy. He was uh I was like, this has gotta be like a real local Boston dude right here. This <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that that's classic movie to be part of that. That's like that that must be a really good feeling, man. And look, uh I mean it's it's crazy. Like like that was that that was like your second movie movie or that, yeah, that was the second movie I wow. ever did. You, I mean you started out top notch right off the bat, like geez, man. This is yeah, only, you know. Like I said, man, the stars aligned. It was, uh, it was something else. That's great, dude. That's really cool. And and uh, ten years later, yeah, it's still being watched. I'll always watch it if I'm passing through and I see it. Hundred percent. It's like one of those kind of movies, you know. As, you know, the scene with the dudes with the mask in the in the van, like it's all creeped out. The little kid. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I haven't seen that in a minute, and I remember all of that. That's cool. Yeah, I showed it to my son too. My son just turned twelve last week. He uh, showed it to my son. He's like, "Dad, you used to be so fat." <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool though. Like you know, like it's you, you know, people. See, this is, he's gonna be able to show his grandkids that shit. Like when I'm dead, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, for real? That's, that's your grandfather. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like it's one of those things, man. It's pretty special to be a part of something that. Um, that's really like a, a great movie like that. So grateful for it. Yeah, man. And I bet there's, I bet there's a lot more to come, but, uh, 
when you talk about this new movie and you do a southern accent, like uh, is Oklahoma? Is that like is it an Oklahoma accent or the the Oklahoma people have a southern accent? Yeah, well, you know, there's a certain um, brand of a southern accent that they do down there, which I studied and worked on and all that. So, got you, got you. I didn't even know that to be honest. I thought I was like, I'm trying to picture in my head, like, I mean, mostly everywhere, man, has a certain way that they talk. So that's why I started working with that dialect coach because it's like if you go to Minnesota, if you're a guy from Minnesota, you're gonna talk a certain way. If you're yeah, they go, they from- go Minnesota. Like, <laughs> yo, you know yeah, what? You, you know from traveling and touring, totally. And stuff, like, just people talk different ways, man. It's uh, you know, so if you're gonna be believable in a role as a character, you need to learn the way that character talks, walks, thinks, breathes. You know what I'm saying? Like, hundred percent. You know, yeah. can't judge your character. You have to be your character, so you can't you can't judge your character. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to get into that guy's skin. You know what I'm saying? You got to be him. Yeah. Check this out. As far as accents, I always said this. Philadelphia has a really weird accent. Yeah. And and they never, if there's a movie about Philadelphia, they never have the dudes use that accent. Did you ever notice that? I haven't. I'll have to I'll. I'll I'll have to peep that next time I watch a movie about Philly. I think but Philly, Philly, Philly hasn't really gotten there. Uh, you know, like, obviously there's, like, uh, so many, like, classic New York movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And uh, and now Boston has kind of has its own genre, you know, like where you got kind of the Mystic River, Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Departed, The Fighter, you know what I mean? So we yep. kind of have our own little niche but i don't think philly ever broke through with that there's not like a lot of big like really where philadelphia is like a character you got you got the rockies you know yeah definitely definitely but 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 he's right though like it's not sounds like a new york guy he don't sound like a philly guy you know what i mean that's what i'm saying yeah it's like it's, it's such a weird accent like i could i could pick it out when somebody's from philly but it's very hard to imitate so i always wondered if that's why actors don't even bother doing the, the uh, if, if it's like if they're playing a Philly role, they usually end up just sounding like they're from Brooklyn. And you're and if you're from around here, you're like, that's not how they talk in Philly, you know? Yeah. But I was just wondering maybe with your expertise, if you knew the backstage talkings of Hollywood and they said, nope, we're going to avoid that Philly accent. I mean, my dialect coach breaks down. She's amazing, too. Her, her name is uh, Jameson. She, she kind of has a history of why these people, you know, why the people in New York talk the way that they do and why mm-hmm. the people in Boston talk and the way that you move your mouth for each accent, mm-hmm. and how you use your tongue. So like if I'm doing, um, you know, a, a certain accent, like she'll have me do like push-ups with my tongue almost because I need to really use my tongue to pull it back and say the, the R's and stuff like that. And it's crazy because now I've done all these exercises with my mouth and my Boston accent just naturally is kind of faded, man, because my oh, mouth, shit. now I'm using different muscles in my mouth. So I used to be like, pack the cow over there. You know what I mean? I'm not pulling my tongue back or using it to pronounce my eyes or anything like that. Like I'm talking like that, like how I am now. Yeah. But then when I start using my tongue and, you know, I start using these muscles and, and the tongue and all that, then it's like I parked a car over there. And you know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. just becomes more, it, beca- it takes, you know, just kind of naturally does it. 
Yo, you better be careful. I used to always struggle, man. Like, I'd be somewhere else besides Boston, and I'm like just ordering food or something like that, and motherfuckers can't understand what I'm saying to them. (laughs) You know? Yeah. it's frustrating when you're traveling around the world all the time and people just don't understand what you're saying to them. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But you got to be careful, though. They might be like, oh, we need a Boston guy. Call Slane. And then you show up and they'll be like, ah, he don't even got the accent we thought he had. What happened? Yeah, I can still, I can still do it. <laughs> no, I know you could do that shit. With the movie that you had in mind that you wanted to do, where does that take place? In Florida, actually. Florida, oh shit. Yeah, I don't want to talk too much about the details of it, but I wanted to do something that was really out of the box from anything that I've done and anything that mm-hmm. people would cast me in. Mm-hmm. So this <laughs> this is like, people are going to be like, what? When when they hear what this movie is, they're going to oh, bug out. But, but I feel like it's something that I can really nail. And, uh, you know, it's a comedy. And um Looking forward to making it, man. That's like I said, you always want to try different shit, you know. So if I'm gonna write myself something, then I want it to be different. I'm not gonna write like a a Boston crime movie. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And listen, keep in mind if you need a white trash Florida dude, I really feel I could fit that role. Yeah. (laughs) I got got it in me somewhere, I feel. You know what? I always wanted to ask you, how'd you get into the hardcore stuff? Well, when I moved to New York, um, Damien, uh, I became really good friends with Damien, Damien Burns. And, uh, you know, I was like going to open mics and we were recording stuff with, uh, with our other boy, Cypher, this kid, Joe from Queens. And, uh, and he started taking me to hardcore shows and stuff. And I, I went to CB's and saw, uh, Agnostic Front, Murphy's Law, Madball. And um, that was the first show I went to. I think it was 95 or 96. Okay. And, uh, yeah, man, that's kind of how I started coming around. Did you dig the stuff immediately or, or it took a while for you to? I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't dig it, like, when he played me shit on CD at first. Yeah. And then when I went to the show, then, I, then it translated and I understood it. Yeah. I mean, to I, this day, I, 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 I like hardcore music much better in person you know i think yeah me too i mean i think that's where it thrives like you know the the live set of a hardcore band is i mean you don't understand it until you see it live and then it comes to life you know what i mean for me anyways that's how it was i mean i grew up on hip-hop strictly dude (laughs) you know what i mean like i was like i loved hip-hop music from day one so for a true hip-hop head like yourself who's who's the goat could you pick one as an MC or as a group or what? MC, let's say MC. It's so hard, man, because there's so many great ones. Um, I mean, I could probably list 25 who could all be in contention for it. You know, I think like I love. How about living? I love uh, living. I mean, I'll surprise you with one. One I think is always left off the top five list, but I think is unquestionably to me top five uh, Ice Cube. Oh yeah, I mean, great albums. Like I mean, people I probably won't give him the lyrical thing, you know. But but lyrically, bro. I mean, he totally. wrote the fucking NWA record. I mean, he wrote fucking straight out of Compton. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And you know his so, his first three solo records are classic. Yes. I mean, he's just he he had such a mic presence and he dominated that. 
that time, you know, he was the quintessential West Coast MC. He said so he said so much. He meant so much to the culture. Like, you know, he had the perfect kind of blend of um, kind of street shit and political shit and fucking. Yeah. He was just so great. He was great. He's one of the greatest ever, man. And he's slept on. I also think Prodigy is never mentioned among the top and and I know he's not living, but I think he, another guy who, you know, you said like Everlast lyrically, you never thought of him as being really lyrical, but you know, just because somebody doesn't, you know, rhyme and like multi-syllabic fast paced, um, kind of, cadences doesn't mean they're not great i think prodigy said things in a way that nobody else said them and it was just bone chilling you know and and just his kind of nasal kind of um his nasal vocal delivery and i just think he's you know some of that that mob deep uh yeah dude the infamous record is depending on the day my favorite hip-hop album of all time so I think he's he's really slept on too. Um, you know, of course, like Nas, really um, just yeah. an incredible storyteller, poet, and and um, you know Biggie and Jay Z. Jay Z, you could make a case Jay Z being the greatest across the board when it comes to like lyrically style, but also kind of being like a mouthpiece for the culture. He is the story of hip hop, like the rags to riches kind of. You know, Marcy to fucking, you know, Fifth Avenue, Park Avenue or whatever, you know, like from from the hood to the boardrooms to, you know, the guy's made a billion dollars. He's probably responsible for fucking, you know, 30 number one hits or whatever. And, yeah. You know, but he's also still like a, a great storyteller and lyricist. And he's incredible. I mean, you could, you know, Eminem is amazing. Like he does things. You, you then you want to talk about the flip side of it where somebody can do that really um multisyllabic like fast lyrical shit and i mean he does things nobody else can do you know what i'm saying like he sure. is like the olympic gymnasts of mcs you know what i'm saying where he just can and he has like he's he he obviously sold a hundred million or something records and has the stats behind it and the hits and all that. But he's also an incredible storyteller and, and, um, you know, just has a mastery of the English language. Um, Yo, those four, right. The the four you mentioned, well, you mentioned five, but all across, totally different, all of them. And, and prodigy and ice cube mentioning first, that's, that's cool, man. That's, I was surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's too hard to put people in numerical order or whatever, yeah. you know, because I think there's just, you know, there's so much to it and there's so many great ones and there's so many, there's so many um, great MCs, man. So many people that I really like to listen to as another artist and just like, you know, peep what they're doing and how they do it. You know, I think Be Real is also like when you, when you look at, um, I mean, he's so good live, dude. Cypress Hill is like my favorite live hip hip hop group, probably. <laughs> and they yeah, just I made saw them so not many, too long ago. So it was awesome, awesome, right? And so yeah. many classics, dude. And I mean, they're still packing shows worldwide, mm-hmm. worldwide, dude. They're just legendary, man. They're so good, and B is such a, a humble, down to earth, good dude, too, man. 
Yeah, when I saw him, he got behind the like the electric kit, and he was doing the stuff, uh, playing the drums and shit. I was surprised. That was cool. Yeah, man. He's. I mean, he's a, he's a great performer, great guy. Like, but uh, but I mean, you know, it's, he. I can sometimes forget how great he is as an MC because he's so down to earth and such a great dude. Like. And then you think, like, damn, bro. I mean, I mean, this guy is one of the best to ever do it. Like, you know, if yeah. you think about, you talk about all those Cypress Hill hits, man. But just like he innovated like a whole new style with that shit too, which coincidentally or not coincidentally went perfect with Muggs's production and and Send Dog with the, you know, the, you know, their voices just they were kind of like the inverse of Public Enemy. Whether you had the front man who was like high pitched and nasally, and the and the um, and the hype man who had the deep baritone. Yeah, I love yeah. Cypress. Yeah, Cypress is cool and and very different for coming from the West Coast for that time. Like you know, they didn't they sounded like real unique for the for the rest of the the acts around them back then. Absolutely. Yo, here's a question I like to ask. Who out of the Wu-Tang, the best out of the Wu-Tang? Man, it's changed over the years for me. I mean, early on, I just thought Method Man is the best, hands down, right? He had, like, he just had the style, and, like, his voice was so different. And, I mean, those those hooks. I, I was always just waiting for Method Man to come on early, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And, uh, and I still think Method Man is great, but I think... In hindsight, with like 30 years now, I mean, Ghostface has really fucking like put together an incredible body of work with like a lot of longevity. Like when you put his solo stuff in and mm -hmm. nobody's, I mean, nobody sounds like any of those Wu-Tang dudes, man. I even say that about RZA. RZA like really like holds it down when you see them perform live. He's like the quarterback. You yeah. also can't forget like he produced fucking like seven classic hip-hop albums in a row that run was unprecedented you, <laughs> yeah. talk about, you know the first wu-tang album but then also like the met the man solo album the fucking um old dirty bastard uh into the 30 uh the old dirty bastard solo album the fucking uh only built for cuban links liquid mm, swords then the double uh wu-tang forever double album and i mean dude it was fucking what an impressive run the iron man Ghostface album i mean there was just so many of them in a row that were incredible and then you know inspector deck who's just had fucking classic verses like he might have had some of the best, you know, consistently the best verses on those uh, Wu-Tang group albums. And then not to mention like the features he did, like on, um, you know, Above the Clouds on the Gangstar record. I mean, you know, there's just those guys, when you talk about, like, you, I don't even know how you put together that many dope MCs who sound that different. So like how crazy. That came yeah. to be. It's just an incredible, incre greatest group in hip hop history in my book. I was going to ask you that. You know, I just, I got to see, uh, maybe a year ago now, just doing that thing where he was doing it uh, by himself with like a live band. Yeah. Did you hear about that? He did like a little tour of that. I got to see it down in Philly. It was real dope. Yeah. Dope. And when it comes to Wu-Tang, I always loved you God's verses. Yeah, and he's a great guy too, man. You got, uh, I actually got to be on a You God, uh, on You God's Dopium album. Yeah. On a song with me, You God, and Raekwon. And I thought that was just like the coolest fucking thing ever, That's man. That's awesome, dude. That is so cool. 
I saw Raekwon backstage at Rock the Bells. I think it was 2009 or 2010. And he was like, that's you on that on that record? Yo, he, he like gave me props. And I was like, oh, respect. Nice. Playing Rock, Rock the Bells with, with Lakoka and fucking and Raekwon gives me props. Wu-Tang was playing it too. I was like, what the fuck world <laughs> am I living in right now? That is so awesome, <laughs> man. But yo, Lakoka's up there with the with the groups. I mean, you didn't have, you don't have the years in. You know, because, I mean, we were talking about Cypress Hill and, and Wu-Tang. These guys been around. Well, I mean, Lakoka does have the years in it. I don't have the same years in as those guys. But, I mean, you know, I the mean, guys in Lakoka, when you're talking about House of Pain and nonfiction yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, that they've been around. There's a there's a pretty extensive catalog in uh, many, many years in, in, in the game. Yeah, Lakoka. Like you said, I was a baby. So <laughs> yeah, they're they're in the talks. Like you know, they're in the talks for the the greatest rap group. You, you know what song? Like you had way way back. The song that got like that, that got me into you was a song called Angel Dust. Like that's pretty old, probably for you though. Do you remember that song? Yeah, it was on the White Man as a Devil Volume Two. Dude, I think it, I don't know if it if it ended that album. Or if it was like the... It was towards the end, yeah. Okay, it was so cool and creepy. I love that song. It was like, uh, oh, it had like a spooky vibe to it, if you know, you know. Yeah, and, and all the notes were going the wrong way. Yeah. There was all sorts of sound effects, and it was like I was dusted. Stuff was in reverse. Always, always loved that jam. It's cool shit, man. But yo, listen, I'll let you go because I know you're, you're, you know, you're not in the most comfortable position right now. So I appreciate it, though. You want to say anything? You want to get any words out? Nah, man. I'm, uh, it's an honor for you to ask me to come on the show. I appreciate it, man. Nah, thanks. I, you know, yo, how are you yeah. doing during that during the COVID stuff? You hanging in there? Good, man. You know what? I said, fuck this COVID. I go wherever I want to go. Like a couple weeks ago, actually, the best time I ever had in Boston was a couple weeks ago because I went into Little Italy. And Little Italy was like popping. Oh yeah, the North End. I was just yeah. there. I was there two days ago, dude. They fucking set up all the tables yeah, outside. They they shut down the street from parking, and they yep. just put all the restaurants tables outside. Such good food down there, man. Beautiful, great food. And I tried one pizza place. I forget the name of the place, but it was good. I forget. I actually I went down there with my friend Lou. Now Lou produced. Probably about 50 or 60% of my first three solo albums, uh, World With No Skies, Boston oh, Project. He produced good pretty much stuff. the whole thing, and yeah. he produced most of the king of everything else. Now, Lou, he has gone on. He's actually the biggest producer in the world right now. Like He produced uh, both of those huge Post Malone albums. He produces for, like, fucking Miley. He, has, he produced Miley Cyrus's new hit song he produces for i mean literally uh, like anybody who's anybody like all the top pop stars in the in the world go to him now for shit That's so he wild. he's been the they have like a billboard chart for producers now i think he's been number one producer in in the world for the last 15 16 months but i mean he's been popping for about four or five years now that's sick it's crazy dude it's crazy because i mean i always knew that he was that talented um, yeah, that, those records you mentioned that he did with you, though, they sound great. Well, dude, like he, so I had a pull when the town came out, the label flinched at pu putting out oh, the original version of A World With No Skies with all the samples on it. And they pulled the record like a week before it came out. I lost my fucking mind. But I had to, I had to like re-record the record with no samples. So 
without that guy, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like he replayed everything and then we had to take some shit off that we couldn't replay. And then he re- and he produced and that's kind of, we had started, started working together right before that. And, um, and then, you know, I mean, this guy, I used to tell people like, I have a fucking nuclear weapon at my disposal. This kid is a genius. Like he's brilliant. And uh, and I was right, dude. <laughs> you know what wow, I'm saying? He blew, like, up. he blew up. He blew up, bro. Like you, you know, you mentioned up. that record where you had to redo a lot of stuff, and I was, uh, I remember there was one song where you where you said "Wisdom and Chains," and I was like all pumped. But I think there was a, it was like a samples of like a, a doo wop sounding song, and I don't, I don't think you could have you you couldn't use it on the final album. I don't think you know what I'm talking about or no. I'm not sure what song, bro. The other thing is, like, I was so fucked up back in those days, man. Like, I was drinking two fifths a day. I was, I, I, there's got to be 60 or 70 songs out there that, you know, I don't even, I mean, I don't even recall. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's got to be like a vault of fucking songs I made. This is it. called Night After about. Night. I just looked it up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, that was on the original version of A World with No Skies. I was actually I did that song with Static Selector, and uh, it's actually on the uh, State of Grace mixtape. Oh, okay, okay. But um, I was yeah. showing everybody. I was like, "Yo, check it out." He says, "Wisdom and Chains." Everybody, check this shit out. I was like, "Oh, you know, all excited about that shit." That's a good song, though. Yeah, it has a, uh, it has like a doo-wop sample throughout the song. Keeps on coming back. Yeah, yeah, that's a dope song. I'm yeah. actually making a new record with Static Selector right now, so I'm excited for that. Like a solo one? Yeah. Awesome. Very good. All good news, man. This was a good... So I've been doing podcasts lately. Everybody's killing me. They're, they're down in the dumps. They're upset. This happened. That happened. They don't know what they're going to do. I talked to Slane. The world is your oyster. You're good, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's a beautiful life, man. Everything happens for a reason. I mean, look, there's... A lot of things, you know, the world's falling apart. I'm not for saying, sure, you know, for sure. But you know, right where I'm at right now, I feel, I feel some, uh, I feel peace and purpose, and um, you know, I'm grateful to be healthy and and grateful, you know, to be doing something I love to do, and I'm grateful that my family is healthy, and I got a lot of love and friendship and brotherhood in my life, and um, and I choose to focus on those things. You know what I'm saying? I choose to focus on the things I'm grateful for. I choose that when I wake up in the morning, I write a, a list of things that I'm grateful for. And uh, I don't do it every day, but I try I try to do it as much as possible. And Because uh, otherwise I can, I can focus on a couple of things that are upsetting me and that becomes my reality. And I don't want that to mm. be my reality. The, you know, life is too good to focus on a couple of things that that I'm upset about or disappointed with. And, you know, I can choose not to focus on that stuff and to focus on the things that, that I, that I am happy and fulfilled by and, and put my energy into that go where the love is, you know? Yo, that's great because a lot of people, you know, we get a lot of feedback off this show and what you just said right there, that's going to be helpful to a lot of people. I know it because I can just, I'm getting the vibe of, of people writing us lately and it's good to hear something like that for sure, man. So we appreciate that. We appreciate that. I was talking that. to Danny Boy about it, man. It's like fucking, you know, he, and he thought the same way. We were having this conversation. It's like when when you when you recover from drug addiction and alcoholism, it's like we we have burned our lives down to the point where like everything was stripped away. Like we were losing everything that meant anything to us. So, you know, I think I think with this COVID stuff and with, you know, people's 
shit being shut down and all that. Like, I think I've already been there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I've already been there when all my shit is just getting stripped away. So like, th this is not that for me. Like I've, I've withstood that. And it's like now, you know, in order to, in order to get better, in order to not, you know, to, to not get high and drink the way I used to, I had to find like a new way to a new perception. You know what I'm saying? I had to, I had to learn how to focus on the gratitude and I had to learn how to, you know, go where the love is and, and, you know, and persevere through any challenge and just accept like, this is the way it's supposed to be right now. Maybe I can't do that thing, but I can do this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. And, and, um, just acceptance is the key, man. I accept the situation as being what it is exactly the way it is. I believe there's a greater purpose and there's a greater plan and I'm just going to keep doing what I love to do and keep pushing, you know? Awesome, bro. I love hearing that. I love hearing all the good news you got. And I want to wish you all the best and, uh, we'll get you back on. If you're down to come back on, you know, make it a, a thing. Cause sometimes a lot of people, after we do an episode, a lot of people send in questions and then we'll ask, ask the guest if they want to come back and answer the questions from the people. So if you're interested in that, that'd be cool. Cause all right, we'll do it. We'll do it again. When I got the static record coming out. Dope man. Sounds good. All right, homie, I'm going to let you go. All right. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right. Peace. Peace. Thanks a lot for listening. We really appreciate it. Post America podcast will always be there for you. Don't forget that. Tune in next time for more fun with the boys. Until then, get your fucking ass out of here before I give you a smack, motherfucker. Who the fuck you think you is? This is Post America. You ain't shit, motherfucker.